You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Tuesday, January 23rd, and I don't usually do 49K shows on Tuesday. Usually it's just bully ball with Jay, but I promise you guys some bonus episodes during the playoffs. And I'm pumped up for this one because today, joining me, I have the host of Lockdown 49ers. He has his own show on YouTube as well, the Eric Crocker Show. You've also probably come across his post um, on Twitter. (laughs) Eric Crocker, a.k.a. Crocker. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's funny that you bring that up. That that bit, that thing on social media has really taken on a life of its own. I tried to retire it. And I'm like, all right, like, we've used it way too much. I'm going to retire it. But people ask for it, man. I mean, anytime a game starts to somewhat get out of hand, uh, I get all kind of requests for it. And uh, everybody, you know, they, they have a good time with it. So I think it, it, it might just be here, here to stay. I think it has to be. It's one of my single, like, favorite memes that has come from like 49ers Twitter and it's just hilarious because you don't even have to say anything you just throw that on and you stand on business with it too like you were you were posting this early in the week uh when it came to talking about the Packers and all that so you had a lot of confidence going into that game didn't you I I had a lot of confidence but I'm not gonna lie I'm a very confident person it started to waver a little bit at some point in the game I'm like okay 49ers you know we've watched the 49ers in that position at, you know, different times in the year and more times than not really every time it did not go our way. So, uh, you know, my, my, my bro, Donald, you know, he's standing next to me and he's talking my ear off and he's like, what's your confidence meter on the scale of zero to 10. And he keeps asking me after every little thing. And it got to a point where it was like, I, I'm not very confident, but, mm-hmm. and I'm the most, I am the most optimistic person. I know on here, you know, we have to talk and, you know, you have to be like, you know, not objective and all that and, you know, give honestly how you feel. But really, if you guys really knew what was going on in my head, like I just think the 49ers are the best at everything. And uh, for me to get to a point where it's like I'm a little concerned, uh, that's what the 49ers had me. I think the 49ers were a little in trouble, but I couldn't post a video on on ourselves. So uh, the (laughs) video didn't come out during that game at all. Yeah, I know. You you were a little quiet for a bit there. And I think for all of us, like we were kind of on the same boat, like kind of going through the process in our head of, oh, my God, are we actually going to lose this game? And so anyway, like all that to say, like I I thought about having you on or inviting you on last week, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't. I waited till this week because I feel like after seeing how this game went down, um, I feel like there's just way more to discuss with you, especially as it pertains to, you know, your area of expertise, like cornerback and secondary play. So, like, I'm not even going to beat around the bush here. Uh, you know, there were times in the first half that the defense was, you know, getting got a little bit. Guys were slipping. The Packers run game was having some success. Uh, you know, they were moving the ball with ease. I think a little more than we would have liked to see or we expected to see. But ultimately, it was Ben don't break, especially when when they got into the red zone for whatever reason. Like when they get to the red zone, they really lock in um, and it gets to a point where I'm like, guys, can you just pretend you're in the red zone like the entire game? <laughs> I know it gets a little bit easier for like the secondary because like there's less space. Uh, so that always helps the defense. But, you know, I felt like there are a couple of plays that contributed to the Packers success in the first half. 
um, that, that I would say probably came from like one or two guys on the 49ers defense. And of course, like the low hanging fruit to bring up here is Ambry Thomas. And I don't want to like take away from Ambry Thomas and what he did in the second half of the regular season, because, you know, I think we'd, we've been saying it like he played probably the best he had ever played and probably was the mo- most consistent he had ever been in his career in the second half of the season. And so I think we all felt like he turned a corner. But on Saturday against the Packers, you know, he kind of reverted back to bad Ambry. And and we were left kind of just a little confused a little bit. Did you kind of see the writing on the wall with um, Ambry's play a little bit? Or did were you surprised as, you know, some some of us? You know, I think uh, I really like one word that you used and you talked about consistency and the cornerback position is extremely difficult, right? You, you look at some of the yardage that's going on in the NFL, like quarterbacks are throwing for 250 to 300 yards a game, right? Like that's just, that's normal. Like Brock Purdy throws for how many yards a game and somebody's giving up those yards. A lot of times it is on the secondary. A lot of times you are going to give up plays. I think the biggest thing is not being a liability, like, that's the big thing. And I love what you have down there, you know, in the ticker. Is Ambry Thomas a liability? And for most of the season, he he really wasn't. And even in this game, you know, you talked about a couple of big plays happening in the first half. One of them was Trevor's Ward kind of getting whooped a little bit on a route or slipping. It was wide open guy. He catches it, kind of runs upfield. But we know typically throughout a game, uh, you might get Ward once you might get Lenore once, but typically they're not going to be a liability throughout the game. And with Ambry Thomas, you get this sense that he is a little bit more of a liability than the other guys. And that has been something that I feel like is a little bit more consistent. Uh, you know, I think we all have our, uh, I don't want to say standard, but expectations for guys mm-hmm. and, my expectations for Ward, like the highest, right? Like that's your big money guy. That's your all pro guy. Okay, you might get beat once, but then you come back, you make a play in the end zone, you break a ball up. He's going to make more plays than he gives up. Jamal Lenore, he has grown into being somebody who played at a high level. I'm surprised he wasn't up for maybe all pro in that nickel spot. He played so well. True. I don't have much expectations for Ambry Thomas. And it is unfortunate that when he's out there, you kind of get – highlight a little bit and they go at you and they start to go at him on the last drive. He gave up a completion in front of him, kept it in front of him, not a big play, but enough to move the sticks. And they came right back at him. Luckily it was a good job by Dre Greenlaw getting underneath it. The uh, He was in kind of that curl flap area and forced the high throw that made it incomplete. Otherwise that would have been another kind of pitch and catch completion. So again, the question is, is Amber Thomas a liability? And that's a long winded way of saying it. I don't have a lot of confidence that he's not a liability uh, from game to game, play to play. And I, I get it's tough because it's like is partially it's by virtue of him being the weakest link. And that's not entirely his fault. I mean, you, you mentioned Mooney Ward and Delmador Lenore, like those guys are playing good, good football right now. Enough that would make a, a quarterback say, you know, I'm not really liking that matchup against my guy. Instead, I'm going to go, you know, to whoever Ambry Thomas is targeting. So that kind of feels like that that was the game plan a little bit for the Packers early on in the game. And they have some good receivers. And I think Jordan Love has come to, like, trust those guys a lot. Um, And, you know, especially seeing him lined up against Ambry Thomas. And I think that's what led to the penalties. I want to talk about the second penalty in particular 
because I think that one was the most like mind boggling one. And I, I was so confused by it as you were like equally confused. I pulled up one of your tweets here. You said Ambry was literally looking at the ball and still panicked. I'm so confused. And, you know, my tweet here too, just pointing out when, at what point in the game that happened, both on third downs, the two PIs he committed. When you watch the the playback now, that, that second PI, and you have the all 22, all the angles and all that, at this point, like, do you have any idea even now what his thought process might have been there? No. So, okay, typically how this happens, right, uh, especially with uh, when you panic last minute, a lot of times it's I'm beat and I am struggling to keep up with a guy and I don't know where the ball is. So I'm running. I'm trying to play through the hands. I don't know when the ball is going to get there. So I swipe early and I'm, I'm hoping that my hand arrives as the ball is arriving. But sometimes you might get there a little bit early and boom, they throw a flag. Other team has great field position now. With Ambry Thomas, he actually was not in bad position, and he was turned and looking at the ball, which more times than not, it's like, okay, I see the ball. I'm going to make a play on the ball now. And he, he kind of like he did to kind of, I don't want to say save the season, but seal the season for the 49ers, week 18, 2021 uh, season. What did he do, man? He turned around, looked, tracked the ball in, made an interception, ended the game. Like, that was a great Ambry Thomas play. This time, he's looking up, and somehow he still swipes through, you know, and comes across the guy's body. It's clearly a pass interference on an underthrown ball. It was an underthrown ball, but you're looking at the ball. So it was very confusing to me because it didn't look like he was in a situation where he would be panicking, but he panicked. And as a, you know, I understand that feeling. I understand all that as a DB. But man, that was that was really odd to see. I can't wait to see this version of it right here. Yeah, we got the clip up. You see Ambry Thomas. You see, like, at this point, the ball's in the air. He's in position. Like, I get that he didn't have any safety help at this point. So maybe that's why he panicked. But, I mean, maybe he didn't know the ball was underthrown. I don't know. But you see the receiver, like, let up a little bit and slow down. At this point, the receiver looks back and he's slowing down. He's kind of, you know, stopping. And that's when Ambry, like, hugs him. And it, yeah. it just didn't make any sense uh, given the situation. Uh, and then he tried to get his hand up um, after the fact. But, yeah, I guess <laughs> I, I was hoping maybe you would you would find some reason why uh, he did what he did. But I, guess I, I could see it. Like, okay, so pause it right now. Right there. So right there, he is in a state of, I would say even right there, right? Uh, actually, let's even rewind it back a little bit further while he's still in his pedal. All right, so we'll, we'll, we'll do some, uh, a little bit further, a little bit further. We'll do some DB 101 stuff right here. All right. <laughs> okay, so right, a little bit more. Line more? Right there. All right, so... When you're a defensive back and you're in a backpedal, right, uh, you kind of want guys to get on your toes a little bit. Um, I think right now he actually is in a good position as he's pedaling out and he sees, okay, this guy is really screaming uh, at me. Let me turn and run and pause right here. This is at the time where I feel like a lot of guys lose their speed. More times than not, they lose their speed because they get their eyes back to the quarterback. We run faster looking straight ahead than we do looking back. 
so receivers, a lot of time when they're running a post, they're run, 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 boom, foot in the ground. Their head gets still goes in the direction that they're going. All right. So they're still looking straight ahead, digging for at least a few more yards. So you kind of continue to increase that speed. And then they look back and track the ball in. Well, as a defensive back, if in my turn and run, I'm looking back at the quarterback, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of my turn and run just a tad bit slower. And in turn, that's going to create more separation for the receiver. So as you see right here now, and I'll tell you when the positive keep going and pause, that right there, that space is enough to feel like, oh, crap, for a cornerback, right? Like that, oh, S-H-I-T, that's what they call it. And so when you're in that situation, your clock gets sped up and a lot of your uh, your technique kind of goes out the window. And then you kind of get into a state of panic, all right? Uh, you know, when we're watching it live on TV, they kind of show it slowed down. You see Ambry looking back for right. the ball. So it's a little bit more like, why do you panic? Look, dude, you're in a good position. But seeing kind of how it played out, you really have to train and work on. Like if somebody was like, hey, Croc, can you work with Ambry Thomas this offseason? The main thing I would work on is transitioning into a sprint out of your turn and run. And you have to train uh, for that live action and, and train your eyes. And if you do that consistently, it becomes more of a natural uh uh, movement skill for you. So I think right here, if he just runs more out of it and drives the receiver before looking back and even gets to the receiver, one of my uh, DB coaches always says, if there's space, you must chase. So if he works to really get to the receiver first and then look back, I think he would have been in a slightly better situation and maybe not as panicked as the ball was arriving. Right. Like how, how common practice is it to look at the, quarterback in this scenario rather than you know the receiver that you're trying to guard i say more times than not dbs especially at the highest level because uh you know contrary to popular belief there's not as big of a gap in ability at the nfl level you know between the cb two three and the practice squad guy like you know more times than not it's not as much of a gap as people think The, the biggest thing is uh more so uh, the consistency part, like just somebody being good consistently. And uh, I think for him and, and for a lot of people, if you look at like why they get beat, a lot of time it is the eyes, especially at younger levels. Like my defensive backs at Edison High School here in Stockton, uh, more times than not when they get beat, it's going to be probably bad eyes, uh, maybe not having a feel for route concepts. At the NFL level, it's typically not that. It's, it's just really good on good. And then am I going to you know be more consistent with my technique and making sure like the key discipline uh, aspects of playing the position I hone in on. And I think for Ambry Thomas, um, the, the, the tough thing can be if you're not playing well, almost like a shooter that uh, isn't, isn't shooting well, like, Oh man, he's in a slump. And what's the first thing that they tell you? Like, man, you want to see the ball go in the hoop. And then once the ball goes in the hoop, whether it's a free throw or whatever, from there, their confidence grows and boom, all right, I'm, I'm good to go now. Well, for Ambry, I think for most of the season, he's been good. And then, man, something kind of happens in the game and you feel like you're in a slump. Okay, I just need to make a play. And I don't think he made that play. And that can get you to be a little tight. And that's why I'm a little worried about this happening, you know, right now in a playoff game after he would, he was doing so well, you know, in the regular season. Is this going to turn into a slump 
for Ambry Thomas? Or do you feel like as the game went on, like, I mean, I didn't see anything bad from him in like in the second half or like fourth quarter or anything like that. Uh, so like, do you feel like he, he did kind of regain his footing a little bit at the, by the time this game ended? Yeah, nothing too crazy. And you know, we, especially coaches, uh, they always tell us it's never as good as you think it is. It's never as bad. So I, I bet you go into the meeting room, uh, Wilkes and, you know, the defensive back coach, I, I know Deshaun Goldson's there helping out. They might have just as much things to critique with Amber Thomas as they do D'Amador Lenore, as they do Traverius Ward, because that is the saying at that level. Like, it's never as good as you think it is, never as bad as you think it is. So they might look at his performance, and definitely you're going to notice a couple plays that kind of are back-breaking. Third and 15, you give up pass interference. But there might be a lot of good that they take away from it as well and just say, hey, we need more of this than this panic play. Yeah, and Kyle Shanahan, you know, of course, was asked about Avery Thomas's performance and, you know, what – coaching points he would have for him and you know he, he mentioned a, a couple of things obviously like you yeah you can't grab guys <laughs> but also um he mentioned he needs a little bit of help that's something I really want to get into in a little bit here um but I also want to address that like you know anytime that Amber Thomas or any of the corners struggle like we do get the question like okay what about Womack who else do we have um you know, I, I think at this point, it's these three guys. Like, that's who it's going to be. I don't think the 49ers have a have a better option. And I think if you want to see Womack out there, like, that'd be at your own risk. Or if you want to see Isaiah Oliver out there, it'd be at your own risk. There's a reason Ambry Thomas is, is playing uh, right now, and they made that adjustment after the bye week. But, like, kind of what, what's your thought on that, Croc? Like, what's kind of your response when people ask about, like, Womack or Isaiah Oliver or anyone else? I'd say as far from a from a coach's perspective, right, like you can't scrap everything that you've been building towards because one game or one half or one drive or two drives or two penalties didn't quite go your way, you know, more times than not. Now, if, if it were something that they had been thinking about, Making making any type of switch or something like that, they they would have made it in the game. If you go back a couple of years ago, uh, 49ers had Akilah Witherspoon, they had uh, Emmanuel Mosley, and you know Witherspoon started off the season very well, very strong, right? And then he started kind of hit little issues. He got hurt. Mosley came in, he played well. Spoon came back, he was healthier, and it's, and they kind of had this kind of back and forth a little bit in the Seahawks game at the end of the year. Well. Spoon still got to start in the wild card or divisional game against the Vikings. A play happened. Uh, Spoon got beat for a touchdown by Diggs. And next possession, what do you see? You see Emmanuel Mosley in the game, right? So it, it comes off to me as that they're not making that switch at all. Uh, can they activate Womack and potentially put him in the game? M- maybe. And, and we'll know what they're thinking if they do. But I, I have this sense that I know me as a as a coach and running a defense, we talk about these things, right? Like if something doesn't go right or if something doesn't play out the way we would like it to, hey, let's talk about it. And it's easier to keep the same group together and work through your ups and downs because then at least they have a more understanding of how to work off each other as it is to throw somebody else in in this situation in a must-win game at the end of the year, everything on the line you typically don't make that switch unless you're very confident that the other guy can do the job. And I referenced 2021 and I think the 40 or 2019, maybe 
When, what year was it? No, 21? Might be 21. Anyways, either way, the year with Mosley and, and uh, Witherspoon, Witherspoon had, play, play, I mean, Mosley had played very well mm-hmm. uh, throughout that year. So they had the confidence that, hey, if we go to Spoon, uh, I mean, if we take Spoon out and put Mosley in, in this situation, we are confident he'll fit in with these guys because we've seen it for a lot of years. Yeah. I don't, or a lot of that year. I don't think they have that type of confidence in Womack right now because he just hasn't been the guy that they put out there. Yeah, and for sure, Mosley was was definitely, I think, proved to be better uh, than Witherspoon uh, after they made that switch permanently. Um, but speaking about making switches, uh, and, and I want to go back to, you know, Kyle Shanahan's quote here, and, and part of it is, quote, the other one down on the field, yes, that's not all on him. He needs a little bit more help and stuff. And one of the things that in that clip and in that tweet I was showing, you know, Rich brought it up. Logan Ryan probably could have helped him out a little bit over the top there, but he didn't. So I don't know if that's specifically what Kyle Shanahan was alluding to, or if he just meant in the future, you know, we should help Ambry Thomas out. In any case, that kind of brings me to... to Can I see the play again? Yeah, yeah. Uh, That kind of brings me to another discussion, and it's been a hot one, right? Because Logan Ryan started over... Uh, Jair Brown in this game. So you see uh, Logan Ryan's right here. So he's on the side uh, that Ambry Thomas is on. And he kind of just here, he's, he's floating towards the middle and and to the the other side of the field. Pause it. So to to me, what it looks like I'm seeing is a cover three. All right. So you guys know in cover three, the, the field is split up into thirds. So you got your third, deep third corner who kind of has like pretty much from like the middle of the, you know, between the hashes and the numbers all the way to the sideline. And then from uh, the middle of the numbers to the, uh, between the hashes on both sides, the safety kind of plays that. And then the other safety ha- corner has the other third, right? Uh, so uh, Logan Ryan there to, it, to and again, they, they might, say different in their meeting room. I'm not sure, but if, if this is what I think it is, he's more of a hook curl player. Um, if he doesn't have anything holding him in his hook curl, maybe he can help get underneath this uh, deep post. But I think ideally it, it would be the safety playing it a little bit more honest and staying as deep as the deepest guy in his third and then potentially reacting to the throw. So, I don't know, and Gibson has been solid for the 49ers, but I think ideally they would tell you if it's what I think. Again, they might be running something completely different, but if it is cover three, kind of what it looks like to me uh, with how they have everybody kind of playing, I would think that they would want their safety to be in this deep third and there to help on that deep post that kind of runs right into the third. So. That's what it looks like to me. Uh, it looks like he's maybe reacting to uh, potentially a corner route up top, which if it's cover three, like I think, that guy runs right into the corner. So you don't even need to chase that. Uh, you don't need to chase that corner route if you're the safety, but maybe he was just trying to anticipate it. Uh, but it looks like uh, that is the it's the deep safety's responsibility, the deep third, middle third guy to be on that. But again, that's me without knowing what they've talked about in their meetings. If it were my kids... I would be telling him, like, why did you run out of your third for a corner route that's going to go to a corner? 
if if that's indeed his third. All right. Okay. So you're not entirely. Are you not entirely like blaming Logan Ryan for? His I don't think that's Logan Ryan's responsibility at all, okay. unless that's what they talked about in their meetings. If they told them, "Hey, on third and fifteen, even though you are a hook curl player, uh, we still want you to go underneath a a uh, a, a deep post by number one." To the, to the boundary. And if that's the case, then Amber Thomas is still wrong because now you're supposed to be more high and on top of this to run underneath the post. So I, if I had to guess, Logan Ryan had nothing to do with this play. And it would be more so Tishon Gibson, if, if I had to guess. Okay. Um, well, you know, Logan Ryan is still not entirely off the hook uh, as far as the way that this game went. Th- this is the one that everyone keeps sharing. Um it, this was a just a bad angle that he took on one of Aaron Jones' runs. This is one of the bigger runs that Aaron Jones had, actually. And Logan Ryan's right there. You kind of just see him just whiff and, and take a bad angle on that one. Um, and so, you know, going back to the ultimate question of, like, the 49ers making the decision to play Logan, Logan Ryan over Jaya Brown, um, how did you feel about that? Like, did you have anything against that before and, and or after the game? Uh, nothing too con- concerning um, with Logan Ryan. And I went back and I watched some of the stuff, but I didn't watch like Logan Ryan specifically. You, you see plays like this and, you know, I, I would be more, you, you want your safety running the alley first and foremost. So yes, I, I would like to see him have a better angle instead of getting stacked behind Fred Warner there. But run the alley and let's go make that tackle, right? So he kind of overran the alley. That's not good. But I still think everything kind of starts with your guys up front. And I would have liked to see uh, Chase Young not get blocked by Dontario Wicks, uh, you know, a 204-pound receiver. Like, how do you let him pin you down inside? Like, go wreck the play. Go blow the play up. You know, a lot of people talk about this play with uh, Juwan Jennings. And how, oh, you know, he ran the ball. Why would you do that? And now we know it's kind of an accident with how they called the play or whatever. But even regardless, it didn't matter who was running the ball because the play was blown up because uh, Kenny Clark just said, hey, uh, Trent Williams, George Kittle, I'm finna wreck shop on this play and blow this whole thing up. So whatever you're thinking you guys are about to do, you are not. And he blew it up and made a play. I would have liked to see Chase Young blow the play up there. And instead, he kind of got pinned down. Uh, it happened earlier in the game to Nick Bosa, and that allowed a decent-sized run as well. Like, he he and uh, uh, Chase Young ended up blowing it up, but way too late. Like, now the running back is past you. You're supposed, you're supposed to blow it up, create a pile, and now the running back has nowhere to go. Ideally, of course. Also, I, I hadn't noticed this before, and maybe it's just the angle of this all 22, but Nick Bosa looks so close to Aaron Jones here, and there's just like no no play on it whatsoever. Um, yeah. But shout out to Mooney Ward, who probably saved a touchdown here um, on this play. Uh, but going back to Kyle Shanahan's, like, I guess, reasoning of why he went with Logan Ryan over Jair Brown. Uh, you know, part of it was Jair Brown missing uh, a few weeks and him being a rookie, uh, you know, feeling like that was kind of a lot for him to come back from. And he also mentioned, you know, the fact that Jair Brown's a very passionate and aggressive player. And I think, you know, that that's code for maybe a little over aggressive uh, at times. Uh, and so 
you know, I was kind of expecting maybe Logan Ryan to continue to start in the playoffs just because I feel like the 49ers do like to go with experience if they have it. And they have done that in the past. Um, but I don't know. I feel like Jair Brown maybe makes that tackle and, you know, him being a little over aggressive sometimes could be a good thing and he'll have his teaching moments, but you know, I, I don't see why Jair Brown can't make the same mistakes that, you know, Logan Ryan's making out there. So uh, again, this comes down to like the film and what the responsibilities are uh, to make this switch after having Jair Alexander, I mean, Jair Alexander, uh, Jair Brown start, you know, multiple games. There must've been something consistently popping up and just knowing how these coaches think and how they, you know, it, they're not as reactive as fans, right? Like fans, mm -hmm. we want to react to every play, every hiccup, get this guy out of here, right? Coaches don't do that. They, they look at plays as a rep. So on the majority of plays in the game, you're going to have some good reps. You're going to have maybe a, a couple of bad plays. You, you hope not. Um, they'll be understanding with maybe why a guy might have missed a play or was he out of position or did he just need to make the play? They'll take all those things into account. If I had to guess, Jair Brown had been probably making some mental mistakes, something that's not even like a physical mistake, like a mental mistake of, hey, we just can't, this can't happen or this can't mm -hmm. happen. And if you get too many of those, then they'll definitely go to someone who will make less mental mistakes. And a lot of times that is a veteran, even a guy like Logan Ryan, who, you know, a few weeks ago, he was on a cruise ship or something like that, you know, with his family. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's a veteran. He probably understands a little bit more of how to do certain things. Uh, maybe not the physical guy, you know, from a, a skill set standpoint, he was early in his career who he was a cornerback, you know, and then he kind of went to nickel and then he played some, you know, some safety. Uh, but early in his career, you know, Logan Ryan, he, he, he was a cornerback. I don't think he has the, quite that athleticism now, but probably a better understanding overall what they're trying to do. And it might come a little natural to him. You know, uh, again, I, you know, I continue to kind of go back to me coaching guys, right? Uh, you know, I can get out there and, and play safety with, with my kids and kind of show them, like, hey, man, like, you know, you, when you get older, you start to have more of a feel for everything and spacing and route concepts. And and I can go out there with them and, and, and make plays, even though I'm, I'm not as athletic as I once was, because I have a good feel and I have an understanding. I know how to read this and read that. That's on a, obviously a much smaller scale. But I bet Logan Ryan, the game is slowed down for him. So he probably just understands and has a feel for things that Jair Brown is still learning. And for a team that has the expectations as the 49ers and, and has this standard, it's very hard for Kyle to allow young guys to go through their ups and downs uh, and, and oh, go, go through it. It's fine. Like, no, we need you to be on this stuff right yeah. now. And, I mean, they got rid of a guy that they invested a lot of draft picks and, and money into because someone else was ready to go right now as opposed to having to live with the ups and downs or lumps of someone else. So uh, that tells you how serious they are about – where they're at and how this roster is constructed, uh, they don't have the time for Jair Brown to continue to have some ups and downs that may cost them. And, and I bet that's where they are right now. R rookie mistakes, uh, but the 49ers don't have time for guys to make rookie mistakes. And, and Kyle has made that very clear over the years. He's been very consistent with that. Yeah, he has been. So Jair Brown, he'll probably get another shot, of course, uh, next year. And you're, you're talking about how coaches aren't like overreactive or anything like that. They look at, you know, the full body of work. And I'm sure practice is involved in that as well, especially when it comes to Kyle Shanahan. He takes practice like so seriously. So if you're doing the right things in practice as well, like he expects those things to translate. On the other hand, if you're making mistakes, 
um, in practice. He's like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can trust that, uh, you know, on Sunday or, or Saturday, any of these playoff games, right? So I see the thought behind it. Um, I guess, like, you know, we we all want to see a little little better for Logan Ryan. But at the same time, when it comes to, like, secondary play, there's a lot of good that happens that doesn't get noticed, right? Usually they, you know, you just notice the bad things. Um, I want to shift to the offense uh, really quickly. I was talking with uh, Rich uh, last Thursday, like, before this game, and I, I was kind of asking him about, like, what – what things did like the Ravens or the Browns do that made Brock Purdy in this offense kind of struggle a little bit more? Um, he kind of mentioned like cover four quarters um, as well as cover six have kind of been like some things that have, you know, tripped up this offense a little bit. And, and, and for Brock people Purdy. that don't know what cover six is, uh, cover six is uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of a hybrid coverage. You you got uh, quarters to one side and then cover two to the other side. So two plus four equals six. So um, that's how you get cover six. And typically you'll do the cover two to the boundary. So just for people that didn't quite know what that meant. Yeah, and and I think like the the fact it's like zone too, right? Like it's like you have guys in in zones um, and. With this offense in particular, you have so many playmakers, so many guys, and Brock Purdy who likes to, you know, throw into into windows and make anticipatory – is that the word? Anticipatory throws. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, stuff like that could kind of cloud the, you know, the field a little bit for him. Is that kind of like what you see with, with how uh, – like I feel like the Packers – ran some of that and I know Rich like kind of pointed that out in some of his clips. I'll I'll pull it up right now. But like the way that the Packers also defended uh the 49ers, do you feel like Rich expects this to continue that t- teams will defend the 49ers this way. All right. So just with and I thought they did a terrific job here of kind of um playing this if this quarter is okay. You got the guy that goes to the out. That's good. Now you got that safety in the middle right there. I uh, and then you have like a, a player over the top of it. Looks like maybe George Kittle. Uh, let me see who who yeah, that is that's, right there. That's Kittle right here. Yeah, is that rewind it back real quick? Let me run that back real quick. Let's see. All right, now go ahead and play it. All right, pause it. Now, I don't think that's – see, this is the thing. When I don't really talk a whole lot scheme, I don't know if that's quarters. And I don't think it's six because I don't see, like, a true flat player uh, by, by the Niners. But but quarters – he calls it quarters, uh, split safety coverages. Maybe that's it. That makes a, a safety be a robber. Uh, that could be the case. Uh, but clearly – uh, Brock Purdy, we talk about some of the you know things he does well and stuff like that. I think uh, he does a terrific job. And when you start to talk about the scheme and system quarterback and all that, right? Like I do think he he runs Kyle's system very well because he does understand uh, windows. He does have really good accuracy. He does understand how to be you know good with his timing and being an anticipatory thrower. Um, but because of that, it, it can get you in trouble sometimes, which we saw with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it doesn't bite us as much with, with, with Brock. But in something like this where he might be reading a guy, oh, he goes to the flats. Okay, oh, this window is going to be there. And all of a sudden, you see somebody from – not even from the back side. Like, that's your front side read. I, I, I'm i kind of clueless as how he didn't see uh, the safety. But 
I, I don't know how he didn't see the safety. I don't know if he didn't check. He's re clearly reading something. He probably mm -hmm. read, okay, if the if that flat defender flies out, then I'm going to have that window to throw to Ayuk. Like, that was probably what he said in his head. And he read, oh, he flat, he, fl he flew out there, boom, I'm going to put it on Ayuk. And never checked for, oh, there's a safety sitting right in the middle of the field. And squatting. Like, you see that guy, like, he's, he's damn near flat-footed on that, reading the quarterback. I, yeah, I, I don't know how he didn't. He looks like he stared right at him. <laughs> I don't know if he thought he looked him off because, like, you see, you see the safety kind of shift to uh, Kittle's side ever so slightly. I don't know if he thought that was enough to be like, okay, I'm good. Um, you know, we're watching it in slow motion. I don't know, you know, in, in full speed what it's like, but. Some things you do have to chalk up to, you know, a defense doing a really good job or something. That, that was just one thing where uh, you have a safety that's sitting in the middle of the field. You know, ideally you would like the quarterback to look him off. And if you can't look him off, he doesn't move enough, then you can't make the throw. It is weird. I'd say the weird thing is with these concepts that you got two guys running into each other, uh, two routes running into each other kind of in the same area. So, you know, we talked about um, uh, uh, Kittle there. And the fact that Kittle and Ayuk are running into the same area. So you're bringing bodies into the same area as opposed to clearing an area out. Now, did, did somebody not take their, did somebody run their route at the wrong depth? Uh, is Ayuk supposed to break that off closer to the 45, which would make it a little bit easier to cross the safety's face? Uh, those are things I, I, you know, I'm not privileged to knowing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, <laughs> there, there's a lot when, you know, watching tape, uh, that we, we don't always know. Um, but, like, I guess seeing that defenses like to to run these types of coverages and, and see that it's kind of working against the 49ers and disrupts maybe some of the timing uh, with Brock Purdy and maybe, you know, makes him think a little bit extra. Do you, do you feel like the Lions have, like, you know, the group of guys to run that same – type of defense and have it work for them because I, I think we're kind of expecting the Packers to not play as well as they did against the Cowboys but I think like they proved they they stepped it up they did good uh are you kind of expecting more of the same from the Lions the Lions the Lions definitely can play some ball and yeah. uh Chauncey Garner-Johnson He's the guy that they just got back, and I know you know 49er fans are kind of familiar with him and uh, the back and forth between him and Debo Samuel and, uh, you know, kind of that whole thing that's going on in the media. But Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is a good player. You know, he is a guy that makes plays. He is a guy that picks off balls. He also is going to hit guys, and he's going to talk his trash. Uh, so I, he's always been someone who I've enjoyed watching uh, play the position. Him in the secondary, like coming back from injury, that, that makes Detroit Lions better. Uh, you talk about kind of guys that can pose a problem. Uh, you know, I don't think the Packers, and this is no offense to anyone on the Packers or their defense or whatever, but I don't think anybody on their D-line is as good as Hutchinson and how well he has played. And I think uh, Rich would probably admit, and me as well, he's a lot better than we expected him uh, to come out and be. Uh, he's very disruptive. So I do think they have some guys on defense that definitely can make plays, that fly around, make tackles. And if you're talking about guys who can maybe make things a little bit more difficult on Brock, it would probably be those two guys. Outside of them, and this is not to say that they don't have other good players, uh, I, I'm not, like, overly concerned or anything, but I do know Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Hutchinson can be two guys that, if, if they make a play, I'm not going to be surprised. 
Uh, the good thing with the 49ers, everything that they do isn't really predicated on uh, the passing game. It's a lot of it is the run game setting up certain things with the pass and, and not just running the rock, but uh, uh, the the threat of the run game setting up the pass. So even if they come out and throw three straight times, which I know would piss off a lot of 49er fans, uh, but, you know, if you have play action fakes, if you have some, um, you know, have have uh, a CMC in the slot, motion him to a backfield, fake a toss to him, spin back around, hit a guy in stride, those things should allow uh, some windows to open up by some, you know, backers, you know, stepping up, taking a st- step up, and then boom, being accurate like Brock Purdy typically is, and hitting the guy with for a big run after catch opportunity. So, uh, I, I would I would assume 49ers come out and do more things like that as opposed to just okay, we got to be this drop back passing game. Yeah, and I've seen people mention like the the Lions passing defense isn't as good as the the Packers passing defense. Of course, I was a Packers fan who told me that, so I don't know <laughs> how, how much stock I, I can put into it. Um, but I know that the Lions do have, a, you know, pretty good rushing defense, so that's going to be the challenge and, you know, wanting to set up uh, where you're talking about, set up with the run, like these pass plays. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're definitely going to need to have a balance I'm I'm tempted to say that because it's not going to be raining, that could you know help Brock's confidence with some of those throws, maybe a little bit more um, in this game. But yeah, I'm excited to see. I think it's going to be a, a good battle. And of course, I mean Debo Samuel being out there would be huge for this offense. And if he's not out there, that's that's huge for them, but in the bad way. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes down. Well, well here's the thing, right? Uh... Put that play back up that you showed me um, with the, the near interception. Uh-huh. I got you. All right. So we'll, we'll kind of. <clears throat> All right. Now, let's look at the safeties and where they are, right? Pre-snap, about 10 yards, 10, 11 yards off the ball, right? All right. Now, press play. All right. I want to see something. Let's see. All right. So we got it playing. You know, it, it, it's rolling. And pause it. What route took the safeties out of that, like made them respect anything vertically pushing? You know what I'm saying? Like there's nothing, right? Like there's nothing uh, that the 49ers did here that really backed the the safeties up out of there. Mm -hmm. So are the 49ers going to do something with their route concepts that make that, you know, stretch the field, make them have to play a little bit more honest? Uh, this is them really squatting on routes. I talked about two guys running into the same area. You know, they're playing in like a 15-yard box. On all 22, it looks a lot deeper, you know, 15 yards. Uh, on TV, it might look a little deeper. In person, it, 15 yards ain't much space. So if all your routes are a little bit more under underneath and you're not doing anything to back the safeties out, that will be tough to operate for an entire game. So you talk about something that could really help Brock Purdy, you know, and just take a shot early on, take a couple shots, especially like if you, you complete one that will make safeties have to play things a little bit more honest and have to play a little bit more back. Uh, you know, when you talk about uh, Mahomes and uh, Mahomes and Josh Allen, right. And people are like, Oh, look at all these short throws and stuff like that. A lot of times you put on all 22, these, Safeties are playing deep. 
you know, they're playing, you know, too high and not just too high. Cause we saw too high here, but they're playing too high and they are getting out of there to where matter of fact, if you go back a, a year ago and I saw this on the quarterback show with Mahomes, he felt so disrespected that the 49ers would play two safeties and they're shallow and they're jumping routes. He was like, how dare they do that? We're going to go deep. We're going to hit them down the field. Right. Cause yeah. t- teams typically don't play them like that. So with the 49ers, it's what are you going to do to get these safeties a little bit deeper so it opens up those windows a little bit more? And the best way to do that, take a couple shots so they have to play. Okay, they're they're, they're willing to go down the field. And then now you might get some of these more underneath throws uh, a little bit a little bit more of a window that, that you would ideally like. Yeah, you got to give them something uh, to respect. And like I said, it was probably, you know, I, I feel like the rain probably limited – uh, you know, Brock wanting to take any shots in this one and, you know, maybe be a little more aggressive than, you know, like we, we've we seen him be in the past. Uh, so that's why I think, you know, he was okay with the check downs a little bit more uh, in this game. And and maybe he, he opens up some things in, in this one too. I think Christian McCaffrey is big in that as well. Um, I saw Christian McCaffrey had 12 targets. That, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure part of that had to do with like Debo being out too, but yeah, um, yeah, we'll we'll see with the with the Florida Diners dial up uh, against this Lions defense, and of course, going to be talking about this matchup all week. Croc, I I really appreciate you coming on and like you know talking about like the corner stuff, all the secondary stuff that like a lot of us aren't really privy to. Like a lot of the stuff that you mentioned was kind of eye-opening to me and I'm sure a lot of people in the comments and and people watching as well. So, um, you know, really appreciate uh, you breaking it all down for us. And, and yeah, hopefully we see you post that meme at some point in the game, right? Hopefully you guys see me post that for the 49ers. For the 49ers, yeah, because the 49ers – well, not for the 49ers. Not for the 49ers, but yeah, yeah. in favor of the 49ers. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, make sure you guys, uh, you know, like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Not just mine, but Crocs as well. Uh, Croc, let everyone know where they can find you. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter, which I might start getting off of Twitter. Like, I've thought about deleting the app off my phone, but – my wife said, what? Uh, People are so, they, they get so like bent out of shape on there. And then I get mad because it's like, you know, I'm not going to try to fight you over the Twitter, but you know, it, people get so tight and stuff. And I was like, you know, I'm tired of like talking to people like that. But you guys can find, find me on Twitter or X uh, at Crocky209. You guys can find me on YouTube. YouTube, just type in Eric Crocker. And um, I, I do a show, uh, you know, some mornings throughout the week. Uh, and you guys can find me. I locked on 49ers. We come at you five days a week. We're on YouTube. We're on Apple, Spotify, uh, all that good stuff uh, with my co-host, Brian Peacock. So, yeah. Yeah, that that's power. When all you have to do is type your name on YouTube and your videos pop up. Uh, man, <laughs> I see you, Croc. <laughs> but like I said, I appreciate you being on. appreciate everyone tuning in. But for now, have a good rest of your Tuesday, folks. Peace.